Last week, I began by saying if I only had two or three sermons to preach before I went to be with the Lord, what would I choose? And last week, I gave you one of them. And this week, I'm going to give you another of them. Uh, Last week, I'm going to give you an ultra quick recap. Last week, I preached on the truth behind Sabbath, rarely taught, but transformational. And it's not primarily about resting and not doing anything. It is, and this is my summary, on the seventh day, they were to stop working and watch how all their needs would be met by their covenant maker. Because in that society, you had to survive. You had to work every day. And to stop working threatened your very existence. And so this was a challenge. And now Jesus Christ calls all to come to him because he is their rest. It is only by casting our burdens on him that we can get through this life. Jesus is our Sabbath. He is the new covenant Sabbath. For in, it is in doing so that we see his provision for all our needs. That was my takeaway last week. And as I discussed with people afterwards, one of the things that came up more than once was, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I believe what you said, Andrew. I'm, I'm, I'm sold on that. I can see the scriptures are teaching that. But like, how do I do it? How do I actually do this? And which ties in really well to what we're going to be talking about this week. And my three-word summary of this week is joined to Jesus. And if I'm allowed a few more words, becoming part of the new creation by being joined to Jesus. And I'm going to, as usual, I have three points. The new design, and we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 6. No longer under the law and a slave to sin, and then joined to Jesus. That is my outline for today. So, the new design. Um, I'm going to start off with with an unusual introduction, because I'm going to tell a story of somebody. And this is a man called Hudson Taylor. He was an extraordinary Christian leader in the 1800s who gave up everything for Jesus. He was so blessed by God to see countless numbers saved. And um, he, he built uh, an evangelistic mission, did extraordinary work, an amazing man. And uh, uh, when he wrote what we're going to read, read in a moment, he was leading this movement and had seen massive blessing in the work. And this is a letter to his sister written um, on October 17th, 1869. And I'm going to take some time to read it because I think it's going to resonate. Um, So let me just get get us to the top of this. Um, There we go. The last month or more has been perhaps the happiest of my life. And I long to tell you a little of what the Lord has done for my soul. I do not know how far I may be able to make myself intelligible about it, for there is nothing new or strange or wonderful, and yet it is all new. In a word, where I was blind, now I see. Perhaps I shall make myself more clear if I go back a little. Well, dearie, 
my mind has been greatly exercised for perhaps six or eight months past, feeling the need personally and for our mission of more holiness, life, power in our souls. But personal need stood first and was the greatest. I felt the ingratitude, the danger, the sin of not living nearer to God. I prayed, agonized, fasted, strove, made resolutions, read the word more diligently, sought more time for retirement and meditation. By retirement, he means spending time alone with God. But all was without effect. Every day, almost every hour, the consciousness of sin oppressed me. I knew that if I could only abide in Christ, all would be well. But I could not. I began the day with prayer, determined not to take my, mind, my eye off from him for a moment, but pressure of duties, sometimes very trying, constant interruptions apt to be so wearing, often cause me to forget him. Then one's nerves get so fretted in this climate that temptations to irritability, hard thoughts, and sometimes unkind words are all the more difficult to control. Each day brought its register of sin and failure, of lack of power. To will indeed was present with me, but how to perform it I found not. So you're probably thinking, a great man of God, and this is what his inner life is? What's happening here? And probably many of us are thinking, well, there's some of that in me as well. Um, And this is why I'm reading it, because I really want to catch your attention right here at the beginning and get you hungry to know what his answer was. Then came the question, is there no rescue? Must it be thus to the end? Constant conflict, and instead of victory, too often defeat. How, too, could I preach with sincerity that to those who received Jesus, to them he gave power to become the sons of God, i.e. God-like, when it was not so in my own experience? Instead of growing stronger, I seem to be getting weaker and have less power against sin. And no wonder, for faith and even hope were getting very low. I hated myself. I hated my sin, and yet I gained no strength against it. I felt I was a child of God. His spirit in my heart would cry, in spite of all, Abba, Father, but to rise to my privileges as a child, I was utterly powerless. I thought that holiness, practical holiness, was to be gradually attained by diligent use of the means of grace. By means of grace, he means Prayer, spending time with God, reading the word, um, being with his people, that sort of thing. I felt that there was nothing I so much desired in this world, nothing I so much needed, but so far from any measure attaining it, the more it eluded my grasp, till hope itself almost died out. And I began to think that perhaps to make heaven the sweeter, God would not give it down here. I do not think I was striving to attain it in my own strength. I knew I was powerless. I told the Lord so and asked him to give me help and strength. And sometimes I almost believed he would keep and uphold me. But on looking back in the evening, alas, there was but sin and failure to confess and mourn before God. 
Well, my agony of soul was at its height. A sentence in a letter from dear McCarthy, that was a, a, a friend of his who used to write to, was used to remove the scales from my eyes. And the Spirit of God revealed the truth of our oneness with Jesus as I had never known it before. McCarthy, who'd be much exercised by the same sense of failure, but saw the light before I did. Well, there's a little bit more that we're going to leave to the end to read. But I'm, I'm hopefully you're intrigued now to know what it was that so radically changed him that he could say, I was blind, but now I see. This is like one of the biggest changes that I had in my life. And by the way, his wife had already had this experience. She was like, well, what took you so long? But I'm so full of joy because you I have a different husband now. I have a new husband. And other people who worked with him said, wow, what God has done in our leader. This is amazing. So it wasn't just an internal thing. It was reflected in his life. <clears throat> so... Um, I would suggest that most of our problems as Christians are related to not fully understanding the two worlds that we're born in. And we're born in literally in the physical world. We're descendants of Adam and Eve. We're born antagonistic towards God. We're born unable to defeat sin in our lives. And I'm going to take us through the passage for today, which is in Romans 6. And um, I'm going to, first of all, I'm just going to read it straight through, and then we're going to have to spend some time with it, looking at what's actually being said. So Romans 6, verses 5 through 14. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be united in the likeness of his resurrection. We know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body of sin would no longer dominate us, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For someone who's died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with him. We know that since Christ has been raised from the dead, he is never going to die again. Death no longer is his master. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, for the life he lives He lives to God. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies so that you obey its desires. And do not present the members of your body to sin as instruments to be used for unrighteousness, to present yourselves to God as those who are alive from the dead and the members of your body to God as instruments to be used for righteousness. For sin will not be your master, because you're not under the law, but under grace. So many words and ideas. I don't know what it's like for you, but it's hard to grasp all of that as I'm going through. There's just so much there. And um, we need to take some time to focus on it and what I've done to help us focus on it I've I've divided it into two columns with colors and this is exactly the same words but I've put all the old creation stuff on the left and the new creation stuff on the right 
and I've underlined the words that correspond in each section. And what we see is he's actually, each, each verse practically, each sentence, he's comparing the two. And so looking at it like this, um, I think you'll find we can resonate a bit better with the truth that's being said. So verse 5, For we've become united with him in the likeness of his death. That's interesting. We've united in Jesus' death. So that's how our sin gets taken away, because we were joined to him when he died. It's what baptism pictures. We will certainly also be united in the likeness of his resurrection. So resurrection body. Uh, So that's like his introduction. Then he goes on. We know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin would no longer dominate us so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For someone who's died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. So here's the idea then of... um, the old being taken care of, because the old has died. So part of us, which, which was the, what we received from Adam, has actually died. So the guilt has died, but also the power has died. So um, we then move on now to resurrection. Um, and I'm actually switching the column. We have to start in the right-hand side there, verse 9. We know that since Christ has been raised from the dead, let me go over to the left, He is never going to die again. Death no longer is his master. So what he's doing, he's setting a pattern. If this happened to Christ and we're joined to him, then it's going to happen to us. So this is the idea behind all of this. So Jesus dealt with the old and now uh, we get the new through, through Jesus. So he's never going to die again. Death no longer is his master. Verse 10 For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. And now we're switching to life. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So this is a, everything changes here. So just like Jesus died to the old and was raised to the new, So it's the same with us. And then he starts to apply what this means. He says, verse 12, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires and do not present the members of your body to sin as instruments to be used for unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those who are alive from the dead and the members of your body to God as instruments to be used for righteousness. For sin will not be your master because you're not under law, but under grace. So hopefully, seeing it like that, you can see things um, a little bit more clear, see the parallels. In a nutshell, Jesus' story has become our story. And uh, when, um, when Jesus was raised from the dead, it wasn't just him coming back to life, but something absolutely dramatic occurred. The new creation began. So back when God created the heavens and the earth, remember he spoke and there was, the world came into existence and, and, and he created humanity and that was the old creation. Well, when Jesus was raised from the dead, 
Um, he's called the firstborn of the new creation. He was the first, his body was the first physical manifestation of the new creation, which will replace the old, and we will be part of that in physically. So what happened was, he is now this new kind of reality. He's part of it. But if we're joined to him, we actually participate in that, and we have that, we are, are in that. So um, part of, part of um, it is, is the understanding that we, have, we, don't, we, we are living in a new kind of reality. Now, I'm going to give you a story um, to illustrate this. Um, when I was back um, many, many years ago, when I was dating Anne, um, Anne lived at just a, a half a mile from where I lived, and uh, she, she was renting a room from a guy called Larry. And Larry um, had on his, in his living room, he had this goldfish bowl. And the goldfish would swim round and round and round and round in the bowl. And um, Larry was a kind-hearted person. He felt sorry for this goldfish. And he decided he was going to build a pond for it outside. And um, so he, and Larry never did anything by half, did he? So he excavated this huge pond and built rocks around it and got water lilies and researched what you should do and built this absolute magnificent pond. And then the day came when everything was settled and it was, all, it was all good and it was safe and the goldfish was going to be taken from the living room and put there and tipped gently into the water. And he did it and we, we all watched and it was like a great thing. Anyway, next, uh, n- next day he came down to see how the goldfish was doing. And you know what? It had found a little patch between some water lilies and it was swimming round and round and round in them. Isn't that sad? Isn't that sad? That's us, brothers and sisters, if we don't understand the new creation. We, we say we've got this pattern of living, and this is how we think we live, and we don't realize that we, we're free in Christ. And he says, sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. He says, uh, sin, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies. In other words, we've got a we could carry on living like the old. but So my first point really this, this morning is to actually recognize what we have, recognize the freedom that we have, because that's the first step. Unless you know what the freedom is, you can't be living out of it. Um, and um, the trouble is, as Christians, we are actually physically living in this world. We've got one foot in this world and we've got one foot in the next. Now, when Jesus comes again and we have new bodies, then we'll only be in the next and there won't be any problems. But now we're, we, ha- we, we are living in this world as well. I've, I've done this picture to try and capture it. So in this picture, I've got um, the old world is like a circle. It's all, the, all that we have in that world. And in the corner of the circle is a tomb. And Jesus went down to that tomb. And there's another circle and the, he comes, there's the, the tomb there, and he comes up out of it into the new creation. So it's like these two worlds goes into the grave in one and comes up out of it in the other. And this is the key fact, we are joined to him. We're connected with him, and because we're connected to him inseparably, we participate in the new. So there's an amazing verse that says, you are seated with Christ in the heavenly places now. Well, 
I don't feel like I'm seated with him. Yeah, but spiritually you are because you're joined to him. So whatever happens to him happens to you because you are inseparably connected with him. Uh, And uh, Paul says, nothing will separate me from the love of Christ. And uh, I would say that um, people in different ages, people have said, Stress different things is what the heart of the gospel is. So often the heart of the gospel is being stressed as forgiveness of sin, which of course is very important. What is the heart of the gospel? I would say the heart of the gospel in the writings of Paul and other New Testament writers is being joined to Jesus. And out of that flows forgiveness of sin. Out of that flows new creation. But being joined to Jesus is that... Do you know what the most common expression, they didn't use the word Christian in the early days. What did they t- say to if somebody was a believer? What did you, do you know what they used? They said this person is in Christ. In Christ is used like 80 times in Paul's writings. In, is that person, that person is in Christ. What does that mean? They're joined to him. They're inseparably joined to him. And so when Jesus was nailed to the cross, our sins were forgiven because we were joined to him, united with him. Some of the older models, which I don't agree with, have got like a transfer. His, our guilt was transferred to him and his righteousness was transferred to us. And that misses the point because, no, we were actually joined to him and it all happened at once. And because we're in him on the cross, in a spiritual way, our sins were dealt with. That's how it happened. So... Uh, being joined to Jesus, then, I would say, is the core of the New Testament teaching on salvation and what it means, what Jesus came to do. So in this picture that I've got, which I can't show you, the, um, the, the two circles, the old creation and the new, we go out of the old by dying with Christ, and we are raised with him in the new to this new power. And the old one is under law, and the new is grace. <clears throat> so... Uh, we're going to talk about no longer being under the law, not being a slave to sin. I'm going to give you some some uh, verses on that. <clears throat> this is the next chapter, Romans 7, verse 5. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful desires aroused by the law were active in the members of our body to bear fruit for death. But now we've been released from the law because we've died to what controlled us. You see, the reasoning is that we died to what controlled us, so that we may serve in the new life of the Spirit and not under the old written code. Um, so um, there's a new attitude and a new way of thinking. Um, <clears throat> so there's a new power of the Spirit because this, this new creation is in the Spirit. Um, the Spirit is intimately connected with the new, new creation. When Jesus was raised from the dead, it's interesting, many places in the New Testament it says it was through the Spirit Jesus was raised from the dead. Through the power of the Spirit, and that same Spirit is working in us. And so there's something about the new creation which is connected to the Spirit in this new way. Um, Romans 8, 13 to 16, But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery, leading again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness to our spirit that we were God's children. So 
Just briefly, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because I want to focus on the last point, but um, through the Spirit, we're not under the law, we're not a slave to sin anymore because we've died to what held us. So uh, I'm going to move now to my last point, which is joined to Jesus and what Hudson Taylor got from this and why it made such a difference in his life. Now, uh, let's, um, we're going to continue to read what he wrote. I'm not going to put it up now because you're going to start reading ahead of me. I'm just going to say, one of the things he said to his sister at the beginning was, this might, is this hard to explain because it might sound obvious. And so let's bear that in mind and I'll talk about what it is that we can get from it that maybe goes beyond just the obvious. But how to get faith strengthened? Not by striving after faith, but by resting on the faithful one. As I read it, I saw it all. If we believe not, he abided faithful. I looked at Jesus and saw, and when I saw, oh, how joy flowed, that he said, I will never leave you. Ah, there is rest, I thought. I've striven in vain to rest in him. I'll strive no more. For he, he has he not promised to abide in me, never to leave me, never to fail me, and dearie, he never will. So what he realized was that he'd been working so hard to get some of Jesus, to get Jesus' power in his life. He'd been working so hard to, to hold on to Jesus, and he realized that Jesus said, no, I'm holding on to you. It's it's, it's, I've done it. I, you're, you're the one I will never leave you. Let's carry on reading. But this was not all he showed me, nor one half. As I thought of the vine and the branches, in what light the blessed spirit poured direct into my soul. How great, now this is really interesting, how great seemed my mistake in having wished to get the sap the fullness out of him. So his model was, Jesus is the vine, I'm the branch, so I have to hold to Jesus and I have to get all of Jesus' power. And uh, he's the sap. He says, I saw not only that Jesus would never leave me, but that I was a member of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. In other words, like, I don't have to get, I'm actually part of him. I don't have to kind of get something out of him for myself. I don't have to kind of get this power out of Jesus and get it to flow into me. No, I'm already part of him. I'm already joined to him. And uh, so, so uh, one example he gave, gave was um, like, this hand is part of my body. Now, this hand doesn't have to try hard to be part of me, does it? It doesn't have to work being part of Andrew. I've got to be. No, it doesn't. And as I was thinking about what he said, it really um, it connected with me. And uh, as I've been thinking about this the last couple of days, um, I was, so for example, when I visited Mark, I was, I was stuck in a, in a basement for maybe 10 minutes, kind of partly locked in, and I didn't know what I was doing. And I thought, but you know what, like, I'm part of Jesus. Like, I'm Jesus' hand. Jesus' hand is stuck here in the basement here. But like, this is Jesus' hand. It's me. I'm part of him. Whoa. It doesn't really, what do I have to worry about? 
And they're the people, they're, they're keeping Jesus in their basement. They're the people who have to worry. Um, they're locking him in there. No, so I just thought, as I'm driving, why do I have to worry? Because, like, this is Jesus driving now. I'm part of him. Whatever I'm doing, I'm actually part of him doing this. And I know it sounds very odd putting it like this, but his words started to resonate with me, and I kind of got it, what, the way he's expressing it. And what this means is, if you're thinking I'm, I'm part of Jesus, like I'm a bit of Jesus, then when a temptation comes, you think, no, no, Jesus, that wouldn't be appropriate to do that. I'm part of Jesus. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. I've never seen a temptation disappear so quickly when, when I think like that. So I was beginning to get the way he expressed it. And I'm, I'm hoping this can connect with you because I think it is so powerful. So the idea is not to think of yourself as like a separate thing and you, you're resting in Jesus, you're getting power from him, and that's great, but you're actually part of him. He says you're part of his body. You're actually part of him. You're a bit of Jesus. And so you don't have to struggle to do this. You've got it already. He's the one who's done it. And this is my last quote from Hudson Taylor. Oh, the joy of seeing this truth. I do pray that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened, that you may know and enjoy the riches freely given to us in Christ. Oh, my dear sister, it's a wonderful thing to be really one with a risen and exalted Savior, to be a member of Christ. Think what it involves. And by member, he's using the old phrase like our arms or our members. It's part of Jesus' body. So I want you to take this away. I want you to carry this away today. And I want you to see how this is not just a few things that Hudson Taylor uh, speculated on. This is a core of how the gospel is presented in the Bible, being joined to Jesus in his death and resurrection. And really we're thinking, what does this actually practically mean? That is what we are to meditate on this evening. And I want you to put this on the, on the, 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 the audio player in your mind. You know, we have these tapes that play that all the time. Um, I'm useless. I'm going to mess up this time. What do you think you're doing? Oh, why didn't you do that? Why didn't you? And you know, we've all had these tapes, don't we? Some people, it's called chatter. You know, it just goes on and, it, and it's criticizing. I want you to put a new tape on there. I want you to hear the tape. You're joined with Jesus inseparably for eternity. And he said nothing will separate And if he says that, he's above every other power. Um, But you're not just joined to him, you're part of him. You're a bit of him right now. And I want you to put that on your player. And I tell you, it's a wonderful tune to be playing. I tell you it is. I can speak personally as I read, as I connected with these words of Hudson Taylor and just allowed his way of, of, of expressing it to come through. It's just beautiful. Sure, you can ask a question. Go ahead, yeah. Okay, so Chris said that he, when he's tempted to sin, he goes back, he puts his mind back to his baptism. He died to the old, raised to the new. He doesn't have to sin anymore. That's absolutely true. And, and I would say there's multiple facets to this truth. And whichever resonates with us the best is, is good. And I, so I'm just giving you a different way of thinking about it. So the different way of thinking about it is um, I'm 
this, I'm, like, I'm part of Jesus' body. <laughs> like, why would Jesus be doing that? Because if I'm doing that, actually Jesus is doing that. Um, a, he gives, Alison Taylor gives, an, I didn't read it all, but he gives an illustration. Imagine you go into a bank and you write a check and uh, you want it cashed and the bank says, well, that was your hand that wrote the check, not you. I, can only, I can't give you the money um, because it was your hand. Well, that'd be ridiculous because you are your, part of your hand. And so, you know, we are part of Jesus. And, and so it would be quite inappropriate to do that, for Jesus to do that. So, um, uh, the, so I would suggest to you that, and thanks, Chris, for that. That's, that's, that's worth hearing. Um, that um, put this tape on your mind of who you are. And there are other tapes of scripture. There's lots of great scripture truths to have, but I think this is an extra tape to put on there, which can be very powerful. And I'm going to, uh, I'm going to leave you with this uh, quote from Romans 7, verse 6. But now we have been released from the law because we've died to what controlled us so that we may serve in the new life of the Spirit and not under the old written code. And you notice I've put new life in red there. This is the, the verse that our church is named after. We're New Life Church, and this is what it's about. It's the new life of the Spirit we're trying to live. And uh, there may be someone who's listening here who's not a follower of Jesus, or you don't know this truth in your life, and you say, well, how do I enter the, how does this become true for me? And the, the answer is, to become part of the new creation, to become part of this new, you have to be born into it. The Bible talks about being born again or born from above. It's actually by being born into it. And you're born into it simply by asking Jesus for us this as a gift. He says, ask me, come to me, and I'll give you this freely. I will give you the privilege of being joined to me and being part of what I'm doing. So you just pray and ask that. So I'm praying now that... All of us will be blessed by this, and some of us maybe have the kind of level of blessing that Hudson Taylor had where it changed the direction of his life. And, but I'm convinced that all of us can receive a, a real deep blessing by spending time in this truth, that if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a Christian, you're actually part of Jesus. You're part of his body. His life is in you. It's inseparable, and he's promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So I'm going to pray right now, that, and the worship team can come up while I'm just leading us in prayer. I'm going to pray that each of us can really um, grasp this in our hearts. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've given your own son for us. He bled and died for, uh, for us, and he was raised for us. Thank you, God, for this unspeakable gift. And Lord, we pray that each of us will know not failure but victory in our lives because we know his power. We know that he is in us even now and we are in him. Lord, I pray for each of us here to really grasp this and to feel it in us and to know its truth and to dispel the words, the destructive words that go on and replace them with this word, that we are in Christ and nothing will separate us from his love. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.